Good morning, my friend. I I guess it's been a little while. Um, just a quiet morning here. And Yahweh has been teaching me so much. And I just I need to keep sharing with you. I, I hope that you enjoy some of these things that I'm learning. Because I'm just learning them. And I'm just sharing what he's teaching me. So, I apologize in advance um, as I do with some of my other ones because some of the stuff that I'm learning is tricky it is hard for me as somebody who I've been raised in the church I went to a Christian school most of my life I have always loved God and um, I guess the stripping away of a lot of the man-made doctrine so not necessarily biblical doctrine but man-made doctrine that we learn in the churches and it's a great stripping away and it is profound and it is huge and it is life-changing and faith-changing and I just thank you for being part of this journey and I hope that God uses my words to help on your journey and help encourage and inspire you to seek his face as well and to go to his word with this. On that note, I want to, I guess, just share a little tidbit of information. Um, When we talk about the word, obviously, we know the word as the Old Testament and the New Testament together. But there's lots of places in scripture, um, or in the New Testament, that it's mentioned. The 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 term the word is mentioned or the scriptures talks about the scriptures being good for doctrine and reproof and living godly lives um talks about like even the armor of god talks about standing on the word of god so what is the word then Because in the New Testament, all that they had for scriptures and the word was actually the Old Testament. And that is the heart of what I guess my message these days is, is that the Old Testament is alive and well and active and beautiful. The Torah specifically, the first five books of the Bible, that's where God's law is, or the Mosaic law, that's where God told Moses exactly how he wanted his holy people to live and then there's obviously the psalms which is amazing and and then the prophets and there's so much prophesied about the coming of jesus and the end times so because i have actually heard from pastors saying don't worry about the old testament it's not important it's done away with it's abolished it's old this is not correct doctrine because when the early believers were preaching the good news they were talking about the scriptures they were reading the scriptures in the sanctuary um that was the old testament they were still learning it and so my argument is that this is still important to us this is this is still important to god and it should be important to us at least at the very least to learn if not to take some of the the trickier things of the law and take them to God because 
all that I can, can come to conclusion with as I'm reading even through the New Testament is that his commands are true, that he created them to be forever, and that they're still important today and that even in revelations even the end time there's going to be people that follow his commands and so we got to know what those commands are and so we got to open the old testament that's that's where all of this comes from so on that note let's talk today about knowing god so um, let's, let's see, in churches, um, we talk about knowing him and to know him, we spend time with him, right? Like, I feel like that's a pretty normal thing to hear in church. Usually at the end of a, a conclusion of a service is read your Bible more, pray more, and share the good news. Those are kind of the staples. Those are all good things. Nothing wrong with that. Um... But what does it mean to know him then? Because to do all those things are wonderful. But for most people, myself included, I struggle with the routine of it. I struggle with, okay, we're told to wake up early in the morning, start your day off with the Bible. And that's just not always practical, especially with little kids. It's hard to fit that time in. It's hard to do it. You know you should, but it's just hard right so the difference though is that when we know him like when we actually know him we fall in love with him and we can't help but spend our days with him and walking with him and in constant commune communion with him and that's just like the fruit that comes from knowing him so how do we know him i like it's easy to know of him like that's been a normal thing for me um it's easy to believe in him but do we actually believe him do we actually believe the words that the scripture says so let's (laughs) let's dive in i guess um and i just i guess i'm gonna do a little side note here because this is something that is so fascinating to me as I'm reading the Bible again with fresh new eyes and it truly is fresh new eyes truly from the Holy Spirit I compare it to looking at a 3d picture with no glasses on so you're looking at this picture or movie or whatever and you can see the outlines of things you can see like the double outlines if you can picture a 3d picture um, where it's got like the red and the blue and they kind of overlap and it looks obscure and I feel like that is sometimes how we can read the Bible it talks about um, reading it through a veil and not understanding it but when we have the 3d glasses on we put them on and all of a sudden it po- that picture pops out at us it's alive it's like we could touch it it's in three dimensions and it's so clear and that's what the holy spirit in our lives can do for us as we read it as we read it with new glasses unveiled faces and look through to find the heart of god who he is and what is important to him 
He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that means that the whole Bible is important. All right, now actually let's dive in. Thanks for listening so far. 1 John 2, verse 3 to 7. And now this, now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. So there is a key there, if we keep his commandments. And this is, this is the New Testament. So to say that, you know, that's done away with or legalism or whatever, um, I beg to differ because this is the New Testament. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself to also walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write you no new commandment, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you've heard from the beginning. So there's no new commandment. Jesus even says all these commands hang on these two things. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So it doesn't mean that they replace it. It means that they all hang on those things. So there's a lot to unpack on this scripture here, but it talks about that we ought to also walk just as he walked. And we have to realize that our Savior, Jesus, Yeshua, was Jewish. And he lived Jewish and he practiced the law blamelessly. And that's why he was our perfect sacrifice. So he was Jewish, his disciples were Jewish, his followers, even the ones that got brought into the folds, the Gentiles, they practice Jewishness. And early on, um, after Christ was raised up, so when the Roman Catholic Church came in, they didn't like the Jews and they basically severed our Jewish heritage and so here we are now in modern day church and we find ourselves completely severed of even understanding how Christ walked in his, in all his Jewishness and we need to uncover some of those roots and it's exciting because how can we walk as he walked unless we understand he practiced the feast he rested on Sabbath he did all of these Jewish things um but at the same time, he still came and held the, the people accountable, like the Pharisees who were preaching man-made doctrine and not God doctrine or God law, right? And that's the Torah, that's the Moses law, because God told Moses the things for his holy people. Okay, so that's all that. Um... John 14 verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So this is over and over again in the New Testament that this is something that is still important to him. We say, we get these scriptures here that I just read where, okay, walk as he walked. And then I say, well, he was, he practiced the law perfectly. So then we hear the argument, well, he, he did, he perfected it. He completed it so that I don't have to. And that, unfortunately, is there's too many loopholes in that. It is nothing but a lie because 
here's the thing if if that's true then okay so he didn't murder so I can murder he didn't steal so it's okay for me to steal now that doesn't make sense because at this in the same breath you say well he practiced the Sabbath so that I don't have to practice it anymore he um, practice the feast days so that I don't have to practice them anymore so what who gets to pick and choose he practiced clean eating so I don't have to do that anymore who picks and chooses who where does this come from and this is what we need to realize is that Christians um, we have a doctrine we live generally try to live morally we have the do's and don'ts we have the different things that we call sins how do we know what a sin is how do we know we know because it is the transgression of the law in romans peter paul says that we without the law we wouldn't know what sin is so if the law is abolished then does sin matter is it done away with? Is there no consequences anymore? Like it, it just, there's too many loopholes and I don't know if I'm taking it down way too deep of a rabbit hole, but these are some questions that once you start to unpack some of these man-made doctrines and things that we say that he, he practiced the law so we don't have to, he did away with the law. Well, what does that mean for sin then? And the definition of sin, because the law tells us what sin is so all of these different rabbit hole things all of a sudden start to unravel and um where are we left that is a good question where do we go from here we have the holy spirit right and the holy spirit is the one that writes the law on our hearts it's not a new law it says that it's not a new law but he writes it on our hearts. I'm just going to read you a little tidbit from this book that I keep talking about, The Journey Out of Egypt. The purpose of the new spirit, so the Holy Spirit, is to cause us to walk according to his statutes, not to give us this kind of self-determining morality in order to abandon his laws. His standard of righteousness has not changed because our God does not change. If Yeshua had come to abolish the law or nail it to the cross, as people assert, there would have had to have actually been prophecies about it, as God does nothing without first revealing it through his prophets. So that's the importance of reading through the prophets, is that we get to see the prophecies about Jesus and the end times. And God actually tells us all of the things that he had in store and that he planned on. So if he were truly to do away with the law, he would have prophesied about it. But the reality is, you can search through all the writings of the prophets and you will never once find even a hint that Messiah would abolish the law. But on the contrary, that he would magnify it and bring it to the Gentiles. Any suggestion to the contrary contradicts the word of God. So, therein is the argument that I have that this is not done away with. (laughs) Um, And the scriptures that we are quoting to say that it's done and nailed to the cross, that's the sin and death. And there's so much that I feel like, at least me, that I did not understand about the Torah. 
Matthew 5, verse, yeah, Matthew 5, verse 17. Don't think, so this is Jesus talking. Don't think that I have come to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to complete. And so that's not doing away because we, if this is, sorry, this is another version, but it says, but to complete some versions say to fulfill. And sometimes we take that word fulfill is that he, he did them. So we don't have to do them, but that doesn't make sense. Cause that would basically say for, do not think I have come. So, sorry, I have come not to abolish, but to do away with like that doesn't like that actually doesn't make sense. Sorry. <clears throat> I've come not to abolish, but to complete. Yes, indeed, I tell you that until heaven and earth pass away, not so much as a dot or a stroke will pass away from the Torah or the law. Not eat, not until everything that must happen has happened. So whoever disobeys the least of the commands and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys them and so teaches will be great in the kingdom of heaven. So here he's saying that, like, okay, because we know that it's only his blood that saves us, right? I am not teaching legalism. We are not saved through our works. We are not saved through following the commands. Okay, but he is saying there is significance here that whoever disobeys the least of them and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So they're still getting to heaven. They're still calling on him as Messiah. But there is some significance here on obeying God and his commands. This is important. And this is where we talk about how do we know that we know him. We know him. When we know him, we can't help but obey his commands. So that is like the fruit of knowing him. How do we know that we know him? By obeying his commands. And I'm going to pull up another Jesus thing here in Matthew 7, verse 21. And this one is heavy and this one is hard. So we're talking about knowing him, right? Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those that do what my Father in heaven wants. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, don't, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we expel demons in your name? Didn't we perform many miracles in your name? Then I will say to their faces, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. That, I, I don't know about you, but that is hard to read. Because these look like genuine people that are doing things in his name. So what does that mean? I never knew you. And that's where I beg to tie in that the scripture that talks about how we know that we know him is by following his commands. So this is hard. This might sit funny. This might sound funny. I guarantee you I have thought the exact same things. When I first started this a couple months ago, I heard a beautiful Christian woman who follows the whole Bible, follows the Torah, and I loved what she was saying about certain things about God, and it was really teaching me a lot, and it was beautiful. However, 
every time she mentioned the law, I thought that she was in bondage. I thought that she had it wrong because I've been taught what the church teaches about Paul and what he teaches about the law that it's done away with, it's abolished. So I thought that she was in the wrong and I took that to God and I took it to the Bible and I've been exploring ever since and nowhere in here does Jesus actually say that he's come to abolish it. Nowhere in here does he say that it's not important. All the way from the beginning to the end, it is clear that God expects us to obey him and obey his commands. And then that is something that's really important to him. Oh, so (laughs) where do we go from here? That is a good question, but I implore you to read through things. I have been exploring, and this is an awesome thing, I've been exploring Leviticus, and I've actually been doing it quite in depth. There's a a beautiful Torah teacher, uh, Christian, who teaches Torah, and he teaches it really, really in depth, Um, and he is walking through, or has a series walking through Leviticus and just unpacking the lie or the laws and all of the different things that are behind it, behind the sacrificial laws, behind um, all of it. And, and unless we understand it as born again Christians, unless we understand it at the very least, we have no concept of what our Savior did for us. That finished work on the cross, we have no concept of it and how heavy a price it was. Here's another little amazing tidbit that I did not know. Um, So we know there's the sacrificial law and that they had to sacrifice animals in order to become right with God. We know that the reason behind that is because God is holy. That is who he is. And any sin or uncleanness cannot actually be in his presence because he is so holy that that uncleanness would actually like just die it would just explode like it's impossible for him to become for him to be in our presence if we're sinful and unclean so with that they had to sacrifice animals to cover that to make them ritually clean. So there's different cleansing rituals, there's different um, sacrificial ones, and it kind of depends on what's happening, what the sin is, whether it's just normal uncleanness or whether it's a sin. Unintentional sins were redeemed through the sacrifices, but the interesting thing is that intentional sins, so like the big ones, Which, yes, there, there's different levels of them in the Old Testament. Who knew that there was different levels and consequences to sin? Um, so the bigger ones, the intentional ones, so like murder or sexual, certain sexual immoralities, um, adultery, those bigger intentional ones actually called for death. They called for the death of whoever was guilty and there was no sacrifice there was no atonement there was no anything in the law that would cover those sins they just called for death 
and there's nothing that they could do to redeem themselves and make themselves right again in God's eyes. Not even animal sacrifice. There's n- there's nowhere in, in there to fix that. So when Christ came and he was the perfect sacrifice, he actually covers all of those things. And that is like that is truly the good news. So Jews in those days would have heard that and realized that and the freedom that would have come from that realizing that even the worst of the sins was covered by the perfect blood of Jesus and his sacrifice and that is truly good news. So again without understanding at the very least some of these things and the importance of the the scriptures the old testament we as modern day christians uh, born again christians will never understand the debt that's paid we will have a very hard time knowing and loving our creator in the right way without knowing the whole scriptures and understanding them. So I pray that through the Holy Spirit that he would continue to teach you as he is with me and just work in your hearts, chew on some of this stuff, look it up, use the search buttons, the different options that you have with our scriptures that are so amazing. Um, the different translations, all of that, and take it to him because obedience to him is important. It is important. And that is how we show that we know him because that's exactly it. We can't, (laughs) when we love him, we obey him because we can't help ourselves because he is so good. So I'll leave it at that today. Um, actually, I want to, uh, sorry, I'm going to go a little bit longer. There's one little tidbit in the coming out of Egypt book, or journey out of Egypt book that I just want to conclude with to hopefully complete this picture. Okay, so this is faith. It is not merely belief. It is adjusting your life according to his word. It is not merely a hope that you won't come under judgment. It is taking actions to ensure that you don't according to his word. Because you believe what it says. It makes He makes it abundantly clear what is expected of us and very clear we will face judgment if we don't obey him. Believing you can act however you want and trample on his commandments and because you said a little prayer you're exempt from all judgment is faith in the false teachings and doctrines of men and not the word of God. The gospel that all you have to do is believe that God had a son who died for you and you're headed to heaven is not good news but it's a sweet lie. The true gospel so this is where it, it starts like, so I read that and it's like oh but but yeah that's true right that's what we've been taught so the true gospel requires obedience and submission salvation is a free gift but we have to walk in that gift as a new creation not in the former less and the, that is very scriptural. He talks about being a new creation, right? Salvation is a free gift, but we are a new creation. The true gospel declares that 
Yeshua is Lord and Master, not just a ride-along buddy who keeps you out of the fire. He is the King of Kings, and His Word and His Commandments stand. He and His Father are one, and whoever He and whoever has seen Him has seen His Father. His law is His Father's law, and that law is for the native-born among the kingdom and the stranger and foreigner who sojourns with Him. One law for all men. We don't have a new law. We don't have a law just for Gentiles. We are grafted in, and even the Old Testament law included the foreigners living with them. So, okay, I'll leave it at that. Chew on it. (laughs) Hopefully it's not too heavy. If it is, take it to God. He is so good. Bye.